Good afternoon, everyone. I'm your host, Shoes, and today will be the second episode of the Shoes Show. It's a blessing to be here with you guys. I know it's been a few days since I got back on here, and we're just adjusting to getting back into everything. I know this is hopefully going to be the very first week that we have all three episodes that are planned, the Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. But for today's schedule, we've got a special guest coming on in just a few minutes with Shad Phillips. He is one of the more respected minds and that I have in terms of basketball. His knowledge is deep. He is an incredible collegiate player. He played professionally, and now he's regarded as, as a lot of people know him as Yoda. He has predicted the futures of great players. He's identified great players such as Trey Young, John Morant, the list goes on. But today is going to be a special episode. Like I said, I'm thankful for everyone that's coming in here and joining me today. But as I always say, I do want to start off each episode with a verse of the day. And so today's verse of the day is Romans chapter 8, verse 6. And that is, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Now, to be honest about this, this is a verse that I saw back on um, on version. It was the verse of the day a couple of days ago, and, and it really stuck out to me because the fact of the matter is that when we allow ourselves to fall into the ways of this world, it's going to corrupt us. It makes us not be able to fully experience the blessing that God has in store for us. And I think it's important to realize this, that the peace and the true life that you can experience and live when you live with God. And, and that's something I've experienced over the past year. I've mentioned many times now. Just the transformation that I've gone through over the course and duration of the past year plus year, year plus now. So that is a huge verse for me. I think that just truly embracing and and living in the peace, the spirit, and the life of God allows you to truly enjoy a true peace. And while the world might be tempting, it might seem more pleasing, whatever it might be, truthfully, the best opportunity, the best thing to go through in life is when you're going through it with God. So that's a huge aspect. And that's what the verse of the day is today. Once again, it's Romans chapter 8, verse 6. So with that being said, there's, there's a lot of stuff we're going to get into today. I'm going to get into a lot of different things following the interview with Rashad. And, and like I said, we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff when Rashad gets on here. We got stuff about his career. We're going to talk about the game of basketball, his new book, Basketball Position Metric. It's going to be a lot of fun stuff. And then after that, I'm going to get into some hot topics of sports. Team USA wrapped up expedition play. They are now moved on to 5-0 and and that. Now we start the real World Cup for basketball. It should be expensive. It's spectacular, and I want to get into some guys because Anthony Edwards put on a show. Tyrese Halliburton was spectacular as well. I'm going to touch up on that. And if you go to the sports headlines following the interview when Rashad gets on here. There's a very special guest joining me today. He is somebody that has an incredible body of work, both as a player and now analyzing the game, evaluating the game, talking about the game. He is someone I respect tremendously as a basketball mind. He has done incredible work throughout his career, as I mentioned, also now just analyzing the game and talking about it. And so with that being said, it is truly a blessing to be a welcome on Rashad Phillips. Rashad, how are you doing today? It really means a lot. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you taking time to come on today. Yeah, I'm excited. I've been watching you from afar and I'm like, hey, you're doing an excellent job and you're really good at this. So I said, you know what, let me join. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I know I've had for a long time, it's been typically just current players, it's been coaches and all, and this will be the first non just current player coach I've had on. And I wanted to kick it off with you because I mentioned your mind is tremendous in terms of the game of basketball. You've done incredible work. You identify talent just as good as anybody. Like I say, it's, it's, it's almost, in my opinion, like it's almost a disrespectful to say a media member because I think you're a lot more like, per se, a front office member or something. It's not your typical media person that you've taken on. So I want to kind of go back a little bit into your career though before we talk some basketball stuff. And you've had an incredible career. You were the all-time leading scorer at Detroit. Obviously, Antoine Davis now broke that record. But you had an incredible career. And, and there's one story I really want to touch up on. And, and that's the aspect that 
you were at a showcase camp. It's the Magic Round Ball Classic. Yeah. And I know you've shared the story before, but you come in and, and originally you weren't a part of the team. You end up going in as an alternate fill-in. Yeah. Yeah. And Kobe Bryant's in that. And you end up coming away with MVP. So I need to take us to that story a little bit. <laughs> well, uh, just to give it, give you the short version of that, because I give the long version in my book. So I'm going to give mm-hmm. you the short version. I was uh, you know, a, a kid that was an all-state player coming out of um, the city of Detroit. And um, I got a call um, by Sonny Vaccaro at the time and said, hey, we're, we're, we're going to be a guy short. Um, we would like for you to come practice with the guys. You're not going to be on a team. We just want you to come practice as a fill-in. So after I practiced with the 19 other All-Americans, me being unranked in the scrimmages, I was kind of outplaying everybody. Mm. Um, so you speed things up. The two days later, they're like, hey, we want you in a game. Not only do we want you to play in the game, we're actually going to start you. Mm. So I end up starting in the Magic Round Ball Classic, led my team to a win over Kobe Bryant, Tim Thomas, Richard Hamilton. Like they were loaded. Mm. Shaheen Holloway, they were loaded. Um, I led our team, helped lead our team to a win, and I got the MVP. And that's when me and Kobe kind of developed our friendship um, for the next couple of decades. Now, let me just set the table for some people that aren't necessarily familiar with you as a player. You're not necessarily the tallest guy. So you're going up against a guy and Kobe Bryant, 6'6". You go against these different guys and you've had this mentality as as being a guy under six foot as a guard, not the easiest job to do. It's, you've proved it. It is capable of being done, but it's not an easy role to take on. How were you able to develop that mindset while being a guy that majority of the time you're not going to have a height advantage to any extent? How were you able to be so efficient, so productive throughout your career while never having those advantages that a lot of players typically would have just God-given abilities? Yeah, that's a great question, Zach. I think for me, um, I always looked at my size as an advantage opposed to a disadvantage. Mm. Um, and that kind of helped me you know, growing up because my father was really adamant on being skilled, um, being elusive. Um, and perfecting the dribbling and perfecting the jump shot. And I, I feel like if you can do that um, and you mix in the the toughness and the grit and wanting to be great, that makes the game easy for a player like myself. And that's why I had so much success. There are a few nicknames and things people that have called you. One of them that you've, I know, taken on a lot has been Yoda. Yeah. Us that, like, was that a nickname that just came over time? Did someone give it to you? Got to take us to the backstory of that. Yeah, so my man JT out in Michigan gave me that name. So I can't even take credit for it. JT, <laughs> when you see this, um, I was training. I had my own basketball academy called Skills Unlimited based out of Michigan. And we had over 200 students. And um, a lot of the kids coming out of my program, um, they were starting to see some success from middle school, high school, elementary, AAU, male and, male and female. Mm-hmm. And I ran into my guy, Julian, at a high school game. And he was like, man, I every time I turn around, one of your students is playing well. He was like, you're like you're like Yoda. Like you you just you have all these little Skywalkers and you're teaching people and you're able to predict things. So Julian gave me the name Yoda. And I just I've always been a Star Wars Star Wars person. Mm-hmm. So I kind of took on that identity and it was like, you know what? It actually fits. And I really yeah. like it. So I just kind of ran with it. When we talk about your ability to predict the game, as you mentioned, you've done a fantastic job at that. We look at 
the resume you've had. I know the two ones that, that most people are going to credit for and talk about is John Morant, Trey Young, two guys that you predicted becoming the superstar, all yeah. NBA, face yeah. of franchise type players well before anyone else saw it. How do you evaluate players? What is it about a guy? We can even use, use those two guys specifically. When you saw Jar or Trey at their younger ages, yeah. why did you feel confident saying, you know what, I know these two guys are guys that I truly believe will become the next big thing in the NBA? Well, specifically for Ja and Trey, I think for me, being a former player, I saw a lot of myself in both of them. Mm. And I knew when I was a player, I played with that similar style of play. But during my time in my era, that style wasn't accepted. Yeah. But as evolution ran its course, guys like Trey Young and Ja Morant, I felt the NBA was trending in that direction where they would allow guys to play the game freely. Um, you know, for Trey, for an example, is, you know, really relying on his skill set. Trey is a skilled player. Um, ja Moran is more of an athletic specimen, but he's also has high IQ. So I, I felt like both of their games kind of resemble parts of mine. Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of helped me evaluate and kind of predict um, their success. So many people in today's world, I feel like, look at rankings and, okay, I'm just going to look at these guys. This guy's number one, five, six. They're playing this AAU tournament. I'm only going to go watch them. They're not going to go watch those guys on court seven or eight that's not right. necessarily getting the attention. And and Trey was ranked, I guess, for a lot of his career. But Josh specifically, he well, obviously we know his story, was not ranked, got his one off from Murray State. What is it about you that say, you know what, I'm going to go look at these other guys. I don't, I know them. I'm sure I'm going to go study these other guys, the top five, six, yeah. whatever players. But I'm also going to keep my eye on these other guys. What's led you to do that and help you now be able to establish relationships and also see these other guys that end up becoming those underrated players? I'm just always intrigued with um, people that are that can play at the highest level but don't seem to have the platform. That's kind of what I was as a player. I played at a mid-major. I, I felt that I was, you know, the best player in college basketball in 2001. That's how I felt. And I just uh, I didn't have the platform to really echo that. And I think there's a lot of other players out there um, that have that same uh, type of mentality. And I just really enjoy um, all aspects of basketball. I'm not just a top heavy guy like mm -hmm. I really just love all of basketball. So it, it really helped me identify, you know, the John Morants and, and, and so forth, because I'm the person that's going to be sitting at court eight watching Javon Carter pick up 94 feet at eight o'clock mm -hmm. in the morning. Like I love those type of kids. And I feel that there is always space for players like that. And I feel that kids should understand that there's always somebody watching. When we look at your overall evaluating of these guys, a lot of people look at the rankings I mentioned and the, and the ranking aspect is unique because I think it's grown more and more where this pressure is placed on these guys heavier and heavier you got no longer just the espn you've got 24 7 you've got on through you've got all these different things how do you feel about the ranking game do you feel like it's become something that is too big of a spotlight on certain guys is it something that's getting too much attention too much focus on it or do you feel like it's in the right place like what's your thoughts on the ranking aspect yeah i, I think i don't think the rankings are the issue i think that social media has amplified everything mm -hmm. and with with everyone you know quote unquote pretending to be an expert in this space mm -hmm. has really 
you know, oversaturated um, a lot of that stuff. Um, these kids deserve, you know, to to be ranked and, and shared on platforms. But it's just I think it's the adults that are really messing it up. It's not the kids. There's too many adults that that want to be experts that pretend to be experts and we're giving the adults um too much power um over these kids that there's kids that are ranked 81 that should be ranked eighth mm. you know and i I've, I've witnessed it and happen in my own family right mm. i watched my nephew go from being unranked to being the number one point guard in the country and yeah. it wasn't because he wasn't good enough. It was because people didn't know who he was. Um, so I, I, I love the ranking sites. And I just think the there's too many hands or the, that old saying too many cooks in the kitchen type yeah. of thing. And we need to kind of we need to kind of concentrate it and close it in more. And I think it'll it'll really echo the way it's supposed to. So if you were a top ranked recruit in today's world and, and you mentioned, I think the social media aspect is crazy because we see in any avenue, whether you're an artist, you are a actor, actress, whatever it might be, those people that get a spotlight where you're quote unquote a celebrity at a young age. I mean, it's tough being a celebrity at any point in your life, but when you're younger and it's, it's tough enough going through high school, it's tough enough going through those aspects. How would you balance that? How would you balance seeing your followers go up, seeing overtime, all those people, when you almost tell you have to be a celebrity in a sense at a young age, how would you balance that? You got to you got to keep the main thing, the main thing. And at, and at that age, the main thing is uh, academics and your athletics, um, your social life can come third. And once you concentrate on the on the, the, the two components of academics and athletics, I think that's where um, you can strive. There's a lot of kids that don't have they have those things checked off but not in that order i think you have to have it in order some kids got social life first athletics academics yeah. you know and I, so i think it's the order of what you put things and, and then you kind of operate out of that order this is a little bit off track right now but i've always been wanting to ask you this and i mentioned in the intro that you're somebody that you are a lot more similar to a front office a gm whatever it might be as opposed to just a typical media person have you ever considered going into a front office? Is that something that you have interest in? Would you like to be a general manager someday or a scout, whatever it might be? Probably not a scout. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, scouting is, I, I don't know. I'm not, probably not a scout, but front office, uh, I, that's something that I would seriously consider um, mm -hmm. because I, I believe I have a gift at that. And it's mm -hmm. something that I truly enjoy and, and, and I have a passion for. Um, so that's something that I would consider if, if the, you know, if the right team and the right situation for me and my family, I would I would definitely do it. Well, let's get into a thing that's really brought your attention to right now, and that is your new book, Basketball Position Metric. And you took on a unique aspect in terms of identifying other positions. Now, essentially, they were in the game already, but you gave the name to those positions. So I want you to take us through this process, because I think anyone that looked at basketball over the past few years is like, well, there's something that's different. Obviously, all the all these point guards are not point guards. All these shooting guards are not shooting guards. But what are they? And so it was something that I think everyone noticed, but no one was like put any pencil to pen in that, or paper to, or pen to pencil, or pen to paper on that. So I want you to take us through that aspect. What inspired you to decide to go into this and say, you know what, I want to identify these positions. I'm going to create the name for them. What what led to that? I think my upbringing kind of led to it. I, I was born born in the basketball world. My father started a basketball community center in 1979. 
Mm -hmm. so I've seen a lot of basketball, been around a lot of basketball, played a lot of basketball. And over the years, I'm 45 years old. So over 40 plus years, I've been I've had a, a, a database of mm -hmm. the game of basketball. And as the game would evolve, I would just see how the play styles would uh, attract a, a new consumer and how the game started to take more of an entertainment route opposed to just a basketball route. And, um, you know, you look at a guy like Steph Curry, right? Um, Steph Curry just said like yesterday on the Gilbert Arenas show that he was the best point guard ever. Mm -hmm. And as much as I personally love Steph Curry, I disagree with him because mm -hmm. I don't think Steph Curry is a point guard. Mm -hmm. And in my book, I break it down. I think Steph Curry is what I would call a hybrid guard. I think mm -hmm. he's a, a, a more of a off ball, disruptive game plan killer mm -hmm. um, that that kind of uh, plays the game um, in a different way than the traditional point guard like a Magic Johnson or Isaiah Thomas or sure. those type of guys. Right. So um, my in my book, I just kind of break down the new positions and I, I really talk about how. Um, guys need to be rearranged and slotted properly um, so the masses can understand that the game is more evolved and it's bigger than just five slots. A new aspect that the NBA is introducing next year is the changing it for the all-NBA team. There's no longer the two-guard, two-forward, one-center spot. I think that's huge because we've seen guys that NBA, Jokic, whatever it might be, probably should have both been all-first team. They can't be it because of the rule, whatever it might be. How big are you on that aspect that the NBA is essentially when it comes to awards, at least breaking down that barrier of saying, OK, you have to be this position, that position. That's the way you make it. How big are you on that? I'm huge on it. I wrote it in my book. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I, I wrote it as a chapter in my book where I talk about that the NBA needs to change the rules and how they view first, second team. And I yeah. think they understand that because slotting guys in positions does more damage than it does good. So now you 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 open up you you open it up a little bit and you give guys like Embiid and, and Jokic an opportunity to be on the first team together instead mm -hmm. of just you know making them push the other one out when they both deserve to be where they they should both supposed to. So if you're going to go out now and you were a general manager and you, had, and you had to pick out the guy to build your team around, what position do you believe is the most valuable position? It's always going to be the point guard position. Mm -hmm. I mean that's it's like football, like you you. Teams start building with the quarterback, right? You got to have the Joe Burrows. You got to have the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allens. You you can't mm -hmm. win without a quarterback. <laughs> you can you can have great receivers and great running backs, but if you don't have a great signal caller, you're gonna you're gonna struggle. So I would start I always will start my you know building the team with the point guard. Now, when you talk about the different types of point guards, obviously you mentioned the hybrid guard. When you're talking about Steph Curry, the traditional point guard, whatnot. Which one do you feel is is the most impactful? Or do you think they're all just equal, just in different ways? I think they're equal all in different ways. I mean, you mm -hmm. look at a guy like Steve Nash, who I would consider a TG, which is a traditional guard. Mm -hmm. Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, Muggsy Bowles, Eric Snow, like those guys were traditional guards. Steve Nash won an MVP playing traditional, yep. right? And you got the point guard like Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnson and Trey Young. Isaiah Thomas won back-to-back -back championships. Magic mm -hmm. won MVPs and championships playing that position. And then you got the hybrid guard like a Steph Curry and a Damian Lillard and a Jamal Murray and Kyrie yeah. Irving. Like those are your hybrids. Russell Westbrook. They've also 
won MVPs and championships at that position. So they're all pretty much equally dangerous. Um, it's just they're just different styles of play. So of all these positions, have they always been there? It just has become more changed a little bit in terms of Steph Curry obviously becomes more of a lethal shooter. They're shooting far, further back, more efficiently or whatever. And Or have there been new positions? Like has asked Steph Curry and the Trey Youngs and all these different guys come in? Has it changed? And if that is the answer, then going forward, how many more positions do you think that could be created in the future now? Yeah, I think some these positions were already there. Okay. You know, you look at uh, Chris Jackson, formerly known as Chris Jackson, Abdul Raul. He was mm -hmm. a hybrid guard. Like that was back in the 90s. Yeah. You know, Oscar Robinson was a hybrid guard. You know, so there you got the stretch big position with Bob McAdoo, uh, the point center, Bill Walton. So these these new positions, they were already kind of developed. But like you said in the beginning, I was able to kind of sit back and actually put, you know, put pen to paper and give mm -hmm. it an identity. We have already been watching these players. Yeah. We just didn't know what to call them. So <laughs> we would use the term positionless basketball. That's mm -hmm. how we summed it up. Like, oh, the game is positionless now. Mm -hmm. the game can never be positionless. There's positions. There's mm -hmm. just new positions. So I do, to answer your second question, um, I do think there will be more positions added as we continue to watch the game. So be looking out for part two to my book one day. <laughs> Now, we do want to get into your book a little bit deeper because you are officially an author now. That just adds to your long resume. What led to the inspiration to say, you know what, I do want to create a book. I want to take on this next chapter as an author now. What led to that? Um, I've always been a writer. Mm -hmm. uh, as a kid, I always loved to write. Just, I mean, I used to write small scripts, small movies as a kid and try to act them out. I always wrote scouting reports. So I just... Mm -hmm. I have a passion to write. Um, mm -hmm. So for me, this book was 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 easy to write. Um, it was challenging in regards to I had to format it the right way, but the writing mm -hmm. part of it was really easy for me because by trade, I'm a writer. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you wrote up scripts and acted it when you're younger. You got to give us a little bit more backstory on that now. <laughs> yeah, so I was uh, I, I led a play. I always loved my favorite movie. I, I talk about this in the book. My favorite movie is The Wizard of Oz and The Wiz. And I was I had to play, uh, you know, the scarecrow as a kid. And <laughs> I just always loved screenwriting and, and just kind of writing stuff and acting it out. And and me writing evaluations as a kid. I mean, I'm just I just I'll sit in my office and just and just write stuff like I've just I, I just love to write. Mm hmm. That is a unique thing because I think in today's world too, the lesson so many people are taught, as, at least as kids, is that focusing on one thing, this has got to be your life. If that's athletics, you're only on athletics, it's only going to be all basketball, you're only going to work on football. If you're this, that, or third, it's not a lot of diversifying, and at least kids are allowed to diversify anymore. How important do you think it is for kids to be able to say, you know what, I love this craft, but I also like this too. Let me go work on this aspect. Let me work on this aspect and have a portfolio so that when you're older, you can say, yo, I love writing. I love playing. I love this. Like how important yeah. is it to have a diversification in terms of just what you do as a kid? I think it's super important to, to really try to maximize all of your likes. You know, the mm -hmm. younger you are, you, you want, the younger you are, you want to experience you want to experiment the most the younger the younger you are because the older you get when you get my age you 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 should you should already have honed in on what you really want to do 
So I think the younger you are, try different stuff, experiment with different things, and then see what really starts to take shape and take form. And as you get older, then you can concentrate on which one of those that really hit home for you. And that's what I did. I used to like to write. I used to like to dance. I used to like mm-hmm. to play sports. I, and then I just started the writing just kind of just really took a life of its own over time. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I need to write a book because I just love to write. When you make some of the bold predictions you you have made, you've also encountered a lot of haters on yourself. And it's quite evident. You look in the comments, you look at stuff. Ooh. I think it's quite obvious to you. So <laughs> you got to kind of walk us through this aspect because right. you changed a lot of the aspects of the game and not a lot of people are there. And obviously, there's been a different, couple of different predictions you made that headline that. I know a lot of people really just go back to that one thing. You might get 20 or 30 predictions right, but the one they're going to go back to it forever. So how do you deal with that? Is that something that you've learned to adjust to over time? Was it harder when you were a little bit earlier process of this? Or how have you adjusted all the haters? Yeah, so it was – you know, a couple of years ago, it, it was it was a little bit of a challenge because I was I didn't know that, you know, um, how many people on social media um, bring negativity. You know, it's just it's like, wow, like it's so much negativity out here and, it, and, and it'll show its ugly head mm-hmm. um, a lot. And, and social media is a place where a lot of that hangs out, you know, so for me. Um, it was a, it took time to really learn how to deal with that, but also my playing career, I understood, I always was a person that had to play with his back against the wall. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, that, that kind of helped me with that. And, you know, it's part of, it's part of who I am. Um, it's, it's part of the, the gig they would say. Yeah. Um, but for me, I've learned on social media, I don't even go back and forth with people anymore on social media. Like I'll leave my posts and I won't even go back and forth. Like I'd said something mm-hmm. today, like about Steph Curry saying he's better than magic. I said that, you know, they don't even play the same position and this is people just going crazy. And I don't even <laughs> I don't even engage in it anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't even talk basketball with people online unless I respect their mm-hmm. acumen. Other than that, I just I just let it be what it be. Now, I got to ask you two parts of this next question. The first one is, is what prediction or guy that you identified at a young age would you say is the one that you take the most pride in that you say, okay, man, I got that guy way before. No one else saw that. That's the guy. That's your favorite one. And at the other time, which one would you say was the one that you think you missed on the most? Yeah, like my my favorite one, obviously, is John Morant, man. Like I yeah. can't – like <laughs> I saw John in high school. Mm-hmm. Like and, and a lot of people don't notice about – about Jabba. Jabba's such an excellent student of the game. Like he really studies film. And I can I, I know this for a fact because when Ja was in college at Murray State, you know, he would we would DM each other all the time and he would DM me things like, hey, what did you see in my game? I need to look, I need to study tape to watch this, watch that. This was when he was a freshman and nobody knew who he was. Mm-hmm. You know, he was always a student of the game. So I just take pride in watching Ja. Um, you know, take superstardom because this is a kid that I had a relationship with before anybody else even knew who he was. So I take huge pride in that um, yeah. and always will. Um, I'm a huge supporter of him and his family. And I'm also a fan of what he does on the court entertainment wise. Oh, yeah. he's, he's been tremendous for my family, and my daughters. And the, the take that people love to use with me is the Luca take. And I, and I, <laughs> And I love talking about that, right? I mm-hmm. love it. Like, 
I don't shy away from that. I, I just I just leave people alone who want to be disrespectful about yeah. it. For me, I love talking about that tape. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I watched Luca um, play overseas, he was a I think he was a twelve point scorer. I mean, mm-hmm. you can look it up. I don't know, but I, I just yeah. I remember he was like a twelve point scorer, and I was like, man, like that style of play that he's playing in Europe is not going to translate at the NBA level. The, the NBA is going to be a lot faster. You know, the defenders are going to be a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what he's going to be. I still mocked him as a first round pick, but I didn't have him slotted as like superstar MVP. Sure. I was just like, he's going to be a really good player. And he reminds me a lot of Hidu Turkoglu. Mm. Um, Hidu Turkoglu was my favorite player on the Orlando Magic when they ran with Dwight Howard and went to the finals. I thought Hidu Turkoglu was the the engine to that team. Yeah. So I was like, he kind of reminds me a little bit of him. So once he got to the NBA, he was like scoring a lot. And I was like, wow, like I didn't think that his, I didn't mm-hmm. think he was going to be a great scorer because he never showed that in Europe. He was more mm-hmm. of a facilitator in Europe, but he came to the NBA and it was like, they just gave him the ball and spread it out. And he just went berserk. And I salute him for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he's an excellent player. Um, I think that one day he will win MVP. Mm-hmm. And if he gets the right mix around him, and he kind of turns down the volume a little bit on his individual talent, I yeah. think he can lead Dallas to a championship one day. That's a huge thing why I respect about you there too, because I think for a lot of people that just want to go on Twitter and just look at the post or whatever, a lot of people would say, well, he got the Luca thing wrong. He's never going to want to admit to it. And I've seen people say that and all that, but that right there shows like you're able to say, you know what? I got one wrong. I'm going to admit to it. And that's cool. But at the same time too, like I mentioned, you've got a lot more right than you have got wrong. Yeah. So, when you talk about that, is there any times that you have gone back and forth with people before and been like, okay, so yeah, I got one wrong, but how about the 20, 30 other ones I got right in the same yeah. time span? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so so I, I look at it like this, Zach, in, in my profession and, and me when I'm evaluating and, and making predictions, I look at it like free throw percentage, right? Like mm-hmm. I feel like that I have a high percentage of my predictions coming true. Um, so when you look at it like that, um i have no problem with it and it comes with the territory like you look at mel kuyper and todd mcshay like it's funny like all these guys that are in that world they get stuff wrong i watched mel kuyper say that uh the jimmy clausen he would he quit his job if jimmy clausen wouldn't be a stupid wouldn't turn into a superstar in the nfl well mel kuyper still working and jimmy clausen did not turn into a superstar (laughs) And it's mm-hmm. nothing against Jimmy Clausen at all. I thought he was tremendous at Notre Dame. I watched him. I'm a football guy. Mm-hmm. But I think guys like Mel Kuyper, they still sit on TV and make predictions, and they're wrong all the time. People didn't think that Patrick Mahomes was going to be good. They thought Mitch Trubisky was going to be better than Patrick Mahomes, right? Mm-hmm. It's just part of the business. You're going to get some wrong. You're going to get some right. But for me personally, I've gotten way more right than I've mm-hmm. gotten wrong. Oh yeah, and that's a fact. Mm-hmm. Can we get a little bit into Jaw a little bit more because he is somebody that, if I'm going to be honest, he's probably one of my favorite players. Watching him, I mean, he's just he's the definition of box office. I don't know if you get too much more box office definition yeah, than yeah, that. Like yeah, yeah. he is what people come. He's going to get you tickets. He's going to fill an arena. Yeah. Obviously, we know there's been some stuff for the past eight months, whatever, that has caused controversy, has caused the effects of that. When you talk about Jaw and you've known him longer than most people have even seen or heard of him. 
what do you think is is he gonna be something that's gonna be able to bounce back do you think this is the end of it will we be able to turn his stuff around and be able to become the player and the person that people have known him to be up until this past few months yeah man like here, here here's what i and i got so many phone calls from you know tv stations that wanted me to come on and speak about Ja, and i just would turn them down because i just mm-hmm. wasn't really for that i'm gonna say this man here's what a lot of people don't know about Ja morant like he is one of the most genuine people that i have ever encountered mm-hmm. like not just one of the most genuine athletes he's one of the most genuine people that i've ever encountered like he's just he loves kids he's very very down to earth he understands what's going on at the end of the day he was a kid that made a bad decision but that doesn't mean that he's a bad person or this or that like i'm glad they didn't have social media when i was playing because i would have made a lot of bad decisions yeah right so i i don't like that people want to sit up on their soapbox and play judge knowing mm-hmm. that when you were 21 22 years old <laughs> You were doing some things that you don't want to share with people as well. Definitely. So that's kind of how I say it. John Morant will, I won't say he will bounce back. He has already bounced back as a person. Um, he's going to continue um, to be the most electrifying basketball player in the world. Mm. And um, the Memphis Grizzlies will continue to win games as long as he's at the helm of it. Another aspect about basketball that I really want to pick your mind on is the globalization of this game because it's the sport that is now the second most followed sport across the world. I know in America, not a lot of people see that, recognize that because we're a football-dominant state or country, but basketball is growing rapidly. It's everywhere, anywhere. It's going to be followed. It's loved. How good do you think it is for the game of basketball? How cool is it, too, to see the way that this game has grown and is, is growing just so rapidly? think is I think it's fantastic um mm-hmm. and I and I made this I made this statement and prediction on on Twitter about two months ago I think the NBA needs to expand teams Definitely. I think they need to add four more teams um and I also think they need to add another round to the draft I think the draft should be three rounds mm-hmm. opposed to two rounds because the influx of talent and the game has is, is growing is becoming more global so you need more spots for the nba so that just kind of goes hand in hand to what you just asked we're about ready to get into the world cup play next year will be the olympics and obviously this year's team is a lot of younger guys they look special they were five and oh already look great but when you talk about the talent france is looking special especially if they're the ones end up getting joel and b to play with their team they're going to be a problem they obviously have victor and the guys out there you have spain obviously is good canada is growing they're gonna have a full roster of nba guys nigeria has talent nba is growing as i mentioned do you still believe that USA is the best talent? When we come time to world play, are they the best? And if so, is there ever a day that you think that other countries or maybe a specific country has a chance at catching up to the United States talent-wise? I think I think the United States is still superior, mm-hmm. um, even though the game, like we just talked about, is globalizing and the talent has spread out. But I think as a whole, America is still the mecca of basketball talent. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's going anywhere no time soon. So with the World Cup coming up soon, what's your expectations? How excited about this Team USA team? Do you think they're going to take home gold? What's your thoughts on that? I think they win gold, but I don't think it's going to be easy at all. Yeah. I don't think they're going to sweep through like the the, the dream team in 92. I, mm-hmm. I think they're, they're going to lose a game or two um, um, because there's other talented teams. And in the game of basketball, it's the beauty of the game of basketball. There's gonna They're going to play a team that's going to shoot 60 70% from the field. Yeah. There's not going to be nothing they can do and they're going to lose. 
That's mm-hmm. just how that's just how the game of basketball plays. Um, but I do think they're going to win gold. Um, they have a, a, a solid roster of players. I think Anthony Edwards is the go-to guy on that team, mm-hmm. rightfully so. Um, and I'm excited to watch them win. There was a little bit of controversy when the teams were being put together. This obviously is not the main team. We don't got LeBron and KD and whatnot there. This is the younger guys up and coming the future of the game. There was one guy that we've already talked about that wasn't on that team in Trey Young. Yep. And there was a lot of controversy. I know there was rumors about the Adidas deal, whatever it might be. What was your thoughts on that? Obviously, talent I think he should be on that team. I know they constructed a little bit different, having not necessarily just go for the top 12 guys. It was a little bit more building a roster out. But still, Trey Young probably should have been on that team. What's your thoughts on that? I definitely thought Trey Young should be on the team. I mean, that's yeah. a no-brainer for me. Mm-hmm. I think Trey Young's the best point guard in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, so why shouldn't the best point guard in the NBA represent our country as the point guard? Um, and that's no disrespect to the guys that they have. Like, I love Halliburton. I love Brunson. Sure. I love all the guys on the team. But I do I do believe that, uh, you know, uh, you know, Trey is the one that can can really do a little bit of everything. Like, he's the best passer to me in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, his scoring speaks for itself and you got to have a guy like that um, um, at the, with the international rules. I think he'll be tremendous in the international rules because college basketball is a lot like the international rules. And, and yeah. we saw what Trey did in college basketball, like he led the nation in scoring and assists. So yeah. he's proved that he can play in the feeble rules. Mm-hmm. So I thought that it was a, you know, maybe a little bit of a mistake on that end, not having him on a team. Um, but I like the guys that we have, and I think yeah. we can win gold with, with, with the roster that's already uh, assembled. So what do you think possibly led to that? Was it something that you think that whole shoe theory had anything to do with it, or what right. do you think possibly led to that? I don't know, Zach. You know I don't do the gossip, and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now, there was another thing I touched up with you and I want to talk about is, is you had a tweet a little bit ago about coaching, and you had a you talked about this, and you kind of brought up a few different guys, and you mentioned, is it the coach that makes the player or is the player that makes the coach? Ooh. That's an interesting topic, and and that is something I think we also look at it too, and it probably crosses people's minds at certain points. But can you just take us through? Like, I want, I just want to hear all your information, what you got to say about that. Just take this, break that all down for us. I'm gonna keep it sweet, short and sweet. Um, I think I think there's no right or wrong answer to that. Honestly, mm. I I wanted to get everybody on Twitter. I wanted to get them thinking. Like yeah. my tweets, I just like to get people to think. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me sometimes the player does make the coach. Yeah. And I think sometimes the coach makes the player. I think it, there's a case by case study. Let's take Derek Rose and Tom Thibodeau. Do I think Thibodeau's a great coach? No, I don't. I don't think mm-hmm. he's a great coach. I thought Derek Rose was the greater player that made Tom Thibodeau a greater coach. Mm-hmm. That's nothing against Tom Thibodeau. I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach. Um, then you had guys like, uh, you know, Phil Jackson, which I was kind of on the fence on because mm-hmm. a lot of people were mad at me about this. But <laughs> I just feel like and I like Phil Jackson um, as a coach, but I think he coached the greatest, some of the greatest players of all time. Oh, now, yeah. that's not just the the pushback against that is, is will Phil, you know, manage those egos. And he did. He that's did. True. Mm-hmm. He did. That's a, that's true. I think Phil was uh he was a master communicator, and he really understood how to navigate the egos and things of that nature. But also, when you have the greatest players of all time playing for you, I think I can, me and you can figure out how to manage the egos mm-hmm. too. 
right? And mm-hmm. I think Kobe Bryant and Shaq can take us home. Oh, and, yeah. And Jordan and Scottie Pippen can take us home, too, if we learn how to manage egos. And I feel our assistant coaches with guys that are X's and O's. And that's what Phil Jackson did. He hired mm-hmm. Tex Winners. Yeah. Tex Winners was the X and O guy. He put in a triangle. Phil was the communicating guy. They mm-hmm. work together. So you can't mention Phil Jackson without giving Tex Winters his credit as well. And that's what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Well, something I want to wrap up with. It's a little game I haven't played before with anybody, but I want to just give a little rapid quest. Ten questions I want to ask you. We've got some mixture of NCAA stuff, NBA stuff. Oh, man. Just give us the first answer that comes up to you. So we're going to get right into this now. Number one, who is the most underrated player in the NBA today? Most underrated player in De'Aaron Fox. Mm. Second one, best player in the NBA today. Jokic. Best career from the 2023 NBA draft. Best career from the 2023 NBA draft. Woo. Man, uh, I'm going to go with Keontae George. Mm. So over Victor? I'm going Keontae George. All right. Who is the biggest steal from the 2023 NBA draft? Ben Shepard. The 2024 NCAA champion will be in college? Oh, Michigan State. They got the best backcourt in the country. Mm. Who is going to be the biggest breakout player in college basketball this year? JV McCollum, Oklahoma. Mm. As for the NBA, the 2024 NBA champion will be? Denver will repeat. repeat. Who is the next face of the NBA? Anthony Edwards. Mm Mm-hmm. Great. Who is going to be the greatest? Who is the greatest player in NBA history? <laughs> oh, I knew you were going to throw a trick question at me. Um, Michael Jordan. Mm. And the last one, number 10, your Mount Rushmore of NBA players. Who are they? Uh, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. LeBron James, Wilt Chamberlain. Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I do want to touch upon two of those really quickly. The first one is the greatest player in NBA history, MJ. We all heard it. You said it. Like I said, I respect your opinion most definitely. I think the only guy at this point in time with a chance of passing him would obviously be LeBron's. We all talk about. Is there anything LeBron could do to possibly pass MJ in your eyes? Yeah, LeBron can win. If LeBron wins another championship at this stage of his career, I think, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have I have Le, I have LeBron and Jordan like one A one B. Okay. Like some days I wake up in the morning and be like LeBron's the greatest <laughs> of all time, and then I wake up and be like Kobe, right? Like so, I'm I'm a LeBron guy. So yeah. Like I, like I love LeBron James. So it's for me it's really a tie, but I know yeah. I had to pick one. Yeah. Um, so it would be that, but I I just love LeBron so much. So the way I've always looked at that, and I wanted to kind of hear your thoughts on this, is when I look at it, I think it's a lot easier to say that's the best player of each generation. Like, I think LeBron has clearly been this guy, Kobe before that, yeah. MJ before that, Will, Bill Russell, each guy, Magic, yeah. they've all had their decade-ish run of dominance. When you look at it, do you think that's a better way of looking at it, or how do you think, is it easier to evaluate a guy by saying, okay, this was the GOAT of this era, or how do you think about that? Yeah, I think you have to separate it by eras because yeah. – saying one player is the is the best of every player that just doesn't really make sense if you sit down yeah. and think about it like because mm-hmm. when you know i say michael jordan is the goat but 
so he's the goat at, at all of basketball because there's other players that did something better than Jordan. Like mm-hmm. Steph Curry shot the three pointer better than Jordan. Yeah. Right. So LeBron was stronger than Jordan. Wilt Chamberlain was stronger than LeBron or LeBron was faster than Kobe or right. So they all did something better than the other one. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to just say one player is the top of all of them, right? They all kind of all are goats all the way. Mm-hmm. So I think it's multiple goats opposed to one. Okay, definitely. And the other one I got to touch up on a little bit more is you said the best career from the 2023 NBA draft. I know a lot of people say we might have the next potential goat and victor in this draft. Scoot looks special. Obviously, you got Brandon Miller up in there, a lot of the guys too. You said Keontae George. He had played one heck of a display. He showed a lot of talent out there in the summer league. Obviously, he did great. I think the first half of the season at Baylor had a little bit of injury, slowed him down a yeah. little bit. Yeah. You think he's going to have the best career from that draft class. Take us through your reasoning for that. I just think the way that he scores the ball, um, and, I mean, he reminds me a lot of Donovan Mitchell. I think he's on that type mm-hmm. of path. Um, he's explosive. He can shoot the three-pointer. He's an excellent passer. He's an underrated defender. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he'll have a, a, a long, productive career. I mean, Victor, I like Victor. I like Brandon Miller, and I love Scoot. Like, I like those mm-hmm. guys. Um, but it's going to be about um, the longevity. You know, when yeah. you talk about who's going to have the better career, it's not about who's going to win a championship. It's who's going to have the better career. So longevity-wise, I, I think that Keontae George has a chance to put about 10, 10 years together mm-hmm. uh, where we, we say, okay, he really did well. Absolutely. Well, Rashad, I appreciate you having to come on today. It was an honor to have you on. Love talking basketball with you. Keep doing your work. I, Like I said, I definitely admire everything you've done. I can't wait to see what God's got next for you in the future, man. Thank you so much, Zach, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Talk soon. Absolutely. Talk to you later. God bless. We have the second hour. We're now getting into it now. And, and we had originally planned to go talk about Team USA, the upcoming FIBA events, and getting into all that. And we will still get into that. But we do have breaking news on here. Just a few minutes ago, it has been announced by Adam Schefter now that the Colts have officially given all-pro running back Jonathan Taylor permission to seek a trade per league sources. That is obviously a, a massive, massive thing. Here's the report right here. They're getting permission to seek a trade. Other teams are now weighing whether to make an official offer to the Colts and what would be fair value. That obviously is going to be huge because we're talking about a guy that led the NFL in rushing two years ago. He was the rushing king. Last year was a rough up and down season. However, there was expectations. You guys have Anthony Richardson now coming in. He obviously looks spectacular. You've got Michael Pittman. You've got a group in there that hopefully was at least expecting to be better than they were last year and getting another top five pick. But we'll see what happens. I know this has been a lot of discussions about Jonathan Taylor. What exactly they're going to be able to get for him. Is he going to be traded? Is he not going to be traded? There's been holdouts. There's been all kinds of stuff. And originally, Jim Mersey came out and said, no, he's not going to be traded. But at this point in time, he is now officially being able to go seek a trade. And we'll see what happens. So it's going to get interesting. He obviously has implications with fantasy football for those doing a draft. And so we'll see exactly what happens. There's going to be a large package here. As we've noted here that the notable returns from Adam Schefter for running backs have been top picks, 2023 second round, third round, fourth round pick, and fifth round pick for Christian McCaffrey. We've seen a lot of guys get moved, and so we'll have to see what ends up happening here because Jonathan Taylor is a premier running back. He is very, very talented, 
but I don't know what the cost is going to be. Is the team going to be able to take him on? Will they be willing to go and land him? We'll see what happens. But it gets interesting in Indianapolis because another tweet right here discusses this is the current Colts running back room. Kenyon Drake, Deion Jackson, Zach Moss, who's recovering from a broken arm, Jason Huntley, Evan Hall, and Jake Funk. That's not the best of groups. Kenyon Drake has had some decent years. Zach Moss has been a decent two or three running back. And then you've got a bunch of other guys. So we'll see what even happens with this group. Um, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, I mentioned Kareem Hunt was on a visit just a little bit ago. I don't know if that means anything, if anything is going to happen there. But, hey, Kareem Hunt would be huge for them fantasy-wise. If we're going to talk about fantasy football, Kareem Hunt's value would skyrocket in that offense. But at this point in time, it looks like Jonathan Taylor might no longer be an Indianapolis Colt, that he might be trading now in the next couple of weeks heading into the season. He might not ever play another game for the Colts. And so that would be interesting. And so that is breaking news right now from Adam Schefter. So we'll get into that. But as I had mentioned, though, we do have other things I want to get into. The first thing is I want to talk about Team USA basketball. As those For those that do know me, people know that I'm a huge fan of international play. I absolutely love Team USA when it comes to FIBA basketball. When it comes to the Olympics, I love this type of basketball. It's some of my favorite. And this time around, and I touched up on with Rashad a little bit in our interview, but we have a team that is 5-0 in the United States right now in the expedition play. Obviously, that doesn't necessarily mean too much, but 5-0. Yesterday's game was absolutely spectacular. They were 4-0 heading into the game. They now are 5-0. They play against Germany, and they have a huge comeback win. They rallied and won 99-91 yesterday, but they were down by 16 points as late as the third quarter. At that point in time, Tyrus Howie Burton had an incredible ending of the game. But overall, the main focus needs to be on Anthony Edwards, Ant-Man. He wins MVP of the game. He was truly proven to be the go-to guy for Team USA, and he scored 34 points in that display. Anthony Edwards, now let me just say this. Rashad talked about it. He will be the face of the NBA in the future. A lot of people might not be too familiar with him. Still a young player, Minnesota Timberwolves player. He's spectacular. I do believe that he is going to be the best shooting guard in the NBA probably this year. Obviously, Devin Booker's right there, and I love Devin Booker, but Ant-Man is special. We always have been looking for who's going to be that next star shooting guard. We saw Michael Jordan, and very quickly, we got to see Kobe Bryant. Once Kobe retired, we've been trying to figure out other guys. Obviously, you have Dwayne Wade in that group as well. We had these three great shooting guards within a 20-year span. Truly a luxury, if you ask me. We've been looking for who is that next great shooting guard. I know we've talked about Booker. He's a little bit different, though. Donovan Mitchell, similar, but he's not as good as those guys. Ant-Man has a chance to be that special. Anthony Edwards showed last night why he's capable of being not just the face of a team, but potentially even being the face of the NBA, being a guy that can be a go-to scorer, potentially win an MVP one day, being an NBA champion. His ability to take over a team, take over a game, and dominate like he did yesterday is remarkable. He's ultra athletic. He can get buckets. His mentality is different. He is a spectacular player, and I believe that Anthony Edwards had a chance to be a team, to be a guy that you build an entire team around. The Minnesota Timberwolves weren't as successful as I know a lot of people would have liked them to be. You talk about Anthony Edwards, a Minnesota Timberwolves team that pulled off a massive trade with all the draft picks to go get Rudy Gobert. You pulled in all these different aspects to try to get a team that would be competitive, and you made the playoffs. But if they're healthy next year, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, Hopefully, they figure that out down low. Jaden McDaniel is a spectacular player. You have Mike Conley in there, and then Ant-Man leading the squad. This is a team that could make some noise. I'm not necessarily saying an NBA champion next year, but they could be a very, very good basketball team. And that will be led by Anthony Edwards, who, 
if people want to watch him, he will be playing for Team USA, obviously, in the next few weeks during the FIBA World Cup for basketball. The games will be starting on August 30th, group stage, or on August 28th, my apologies. They'll be playing New Zealand, then they play Greece on the 28th, Jordan on the 30th, and that will conclude group stage, and obviously then you get to the tournament and whatnot. This is a team that I think has a chance to win gold. The talent is not as deep in this World Cup as previous ones. There's a lot of injuries. Giannis is recovering from knee surgeries and, and his little bit of back stuff. You got Jokic opting out, Jamal Murray opting out due to deep runs in their tournament runs. A lot of guys, Kristaps Porzingis is not playing now. A lot of premier NBA guys are not playing this time around. Obviously, Team USA has a lot of young guys too. However, don't get me wrong. This will be spectacular. It's going to be great basketball to watch. I'm ecstatic for it. And so we'll see who comes out and wins. Canada still has a team primarily made up of NBA guys. Australia has a lot of good players on their squad as well. Spain is the number one ranked country in the entire world at this point in time. United States has who they've got. So we'll see. France obviously has their load of NBA guys as well. We're going to have to see who ends up winning this. I do think USA will probably win gold because you have a guy in Ant-Man, because you've got a lot of guys. Tyrus Halliburton looks special. Jaron Jackson Jr. is an elite defensive player. So we'll have to see how this all comes together. But I am high on this Team USA team. I was a little skeptical at first. I'll be honest. You added in guys like Bobby Portis, Austin Reeves, guys that were not necessarily household superstar type players. But the way that Grant Hill, who's now taken over this program in Team USA, has constructed this roster – they don't look too bad whatsoever. I like what they did. They eliminated the tryouts as historically been the case. You tried out, you had 30, 40, whatever guys it might be. You narrow it down to your 12-man roster. This time was 12 guys are invited. You're on the roster immediately. And they really seem to have picked up their roles. Nicole Bridges has been playing a great role. Cam Johnson comes off the fence. Austin Reeves has been great. Bobby Portis has been great. Walker Kessler, you've got him as a rim protector. I know he hasn't played too much, but this has been a roster that I think has a chance to be very successful going forward. I like what they have to do. There are a lot of young guys. This is a lot of guys that we're going to see representing and being stars in the NBA for the next while. So hopefully everyone can tune into those games. I know they're going to be very early in the morning, but watch reruns, whatever. It should be a fun fever tournament. And obviously I think next year's Olympics will be absolutely off the charts. Incredible. When we get to see all the talent they're going to have out there, it should be spectacular. So that's what I got to say about Team USA. I'm ecstatic to see what they're going to do. As I said, the very first official game will be on the 26th against New Zealand. We're going to be wrapping up a little bit earlier this time around, but I do want to get into some sports topics. This was what I probably was going to get into the beginning, but we ended up getting right to that interview. So with that being said, I got a few different sports topics I'd also want to touch up on that's been headline news over the past few days. First of all, Spain's women's team won the World Cup yesterday, defeating England 1-0. to That was obviously huge for them. Now, other big news, though. Right now, the World Classic World Athletics Championship is going on. This will be for running and track and field events. Noah Lyles, he won the 100 meter. He is the first United States member to win it since Justin Gatlin in 2005. Now, the unique thing about him is that he won it in 9.76 seconds in the 100 meter. Now, the unique thing about this, though, is that when we look at this competition going on right now, he has a chance to do something spectacular. We have not seen someone since Usain Bolt get a triple crown because his part, his main running is a 200 meter run. And that's what he'll be running in, I believe, Friday early in the morning, or at least my time early in the morning. And if he wins that one, he also will be doing the relay. If he gets all three, he'll be the first guy since Usain Bolt to get the triple crown. Crown. So that is huge. He's obviously a United States runner. He's had an incredible career so far, just entering his prime. One of the fastest men, and could potentially go down as the fastest man in the world, or maybe even ever, because he has mentioned that he wants to go for Usain Bolt's record on Friday. So we'll see if that happens. 
The other huge news is we're going to get into some MLS. Never thought I'd be getting into this besides the fact that Messi is now in America. So let's get right to it. Messi and Inter-Miami, they captured their very first trophy in club history by defeating Nashville in the League's Cup, in the League's Cup Final. Messi has had an absolutely phenomenal run since coming to the United States. What he has done has been spectacular. When he came to the United States, Inter-Miami was in last place. They are now just won a championship. Messi has proven why he is one of the more famous, if not the most famous person in all the world. He also is one of the greatest athletes in sports history. His success is far greater than anyone could really fathom. He has been on a national, international stage. He's now done pretty much a hard job. Now, I know a lot of people would say he's coming to the MLS, lesser competition and whatnot. But still, to come to the worst team in all of the league and come out and win a championship in just your first month, month and a half, whatever it's been, is something that not many guys could say they have done. So he is in America. He's playing great. And he's one of the premier players. But with that being said, folks, I just want to appreciate everybody for coming on and joining me today. I appreciate Rashad for joining me earlier and having that interview. We do have a loaded week of guests. We have a few guys scheduled. I'll release those an hour or so before each show. But as of this point in time, there is an expectation of plan that this will be the very first week that we'll have a Monday, Wednesday, and a Thursday episode in the correct time slot of 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. So hopefully, and as long as, well, as long as everything goes as planned, I'll see you guys on Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern. Well, once again, I appreciate everybody for taking time to join me today. Truly was great having everyone here, and I appreciate everyone that tunes in following this episode. And, and before I let you guys go, I do just want to mention the verse of the day once more, and that is Romans chapter 8, verse 6, which reads, The mind governed by the, by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So I want to leave you guys with that. I know I broke it down in the beginning. Appreciate everyone for tuning in today. And I can't wait to see you guys on Wednesday. All right, guys. God bless. I'll talk to you guys later.